are... Hey, you feel okay? Sick? Ah, sorry. I got Dana all sick. Uh, yeah, now she's sick for the second time. All right, so John chapter 8, we're going to start in 31. Let me just, I'm going to read from uh, John 8. I'm going to start in verse 30, and I'm just going to read the whole section, which is through 47, because I want you just to get the whole section in your mind, but we're probably going to spend most of our time just in verses 31, 32. So um, this, remember what was going on? Where's Jesus at? He's still at the feast. He's still preaching to the crowd. He's uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles. The Pharisees have come and they've argued with him a little bit and he's argued back with them a little bit. His basic premise was, I am the one God has sent. If you love God, you'll love me. And they're arguing with him. And so Jesus has just said, you know, those things about himself that I am the one, I am here, uh, I'm the one that God has sent as the Messiah to bring righteousness and bring salvation. And then verse 30, it says, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. And what we're going to see here is that they believed in a sense, but they didn't truly believe in a saving way because at the end of the section, he's going to say, your father is, is Satan. Verse 31 says, then Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, then said Jesus, to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, we're children of Abraham, and we're never in bondage to any man. How saith thou that you should be made free? How can you say that we need to be free? Jesus answered them, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is, a ser- is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. Uh, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you, is what Jesus is telling them. I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and you do that which you have seen with your Father. You see how he's playing my Father against your Father? Their Father is Satan. He's going to tell them in a minute. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our Father. And Jesus said unto them, If Abraham were, if you were Abraham's children, children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham didn't do these things. Verse 41 says, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Verse 42 says, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me says, For I proceedeth forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil. There he plainly says it. You are of your father the devil. And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe you believe me not. Let's, let's uh, talk about that for a minute. We probably won't get through all those verses, but I just wanted to make sure you had a background of what's going on. What he's talking about is he's talking about the evidence that you are, that any of us are true disciples of Christ. He's talking about what God will do. Now, first thing we need to make sure that you understand is we're not talking about what, um, 
what you, well, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, what you see here is, it's really weird. We saw in chapter two and in chapter six that when people came flocking to Jesus saying, oh, we want you, we want to follow you. What did he do most of the time, especially in those two chapters? He kind of, he kind of clamped the hammer down a little bit on them so that most of them turned away and left. Remember chapter six, where it says that some of the people that were following him left because they couldn't get no more bread and they came searching for bread and Jesus said, I am the true bread. Well, that's not the bread they wanted. So they kind of went their other way. Well, what you see here is him, he's clamping down on them again. They come and it says these Jews, it says verse 30 says these Jews believed on him when they were talking. And instead of just saying, okay, this is wonderful. Jesus gives them first thing out of his mouth to them is a test. He says, if you, and I wrote it up here. So then said Jesus to those which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the first thing, first thing we need to, we need to make sure we understand is he's talking about there will be evidence in your life. If you're a follower of Christ, if I tell you that I'm a doctor, what would be the evidence that I'm a doctor? Just, I go and I'm a doctor. I go do doctor stuff, right? If I'm a carpenter and I say, look, I'm a carpenter, what kind of evidence would you look for in my life to show that I was a carpenter? You'd go be a carpenter. I mean, you'd go to work every day and you'd go do... We all have evidence of everything about us. If if I'm I'm Ted Velada's son, you'll have evidence of that because, I'll, you know, that's my dad. I'll go to his house, whatever. You know, if you're whoever's children you are, there's evidence of it. Who's whoever, Whatever you do for a living, there's evidence of it. It seems to me that Christianity is probably one of the only places in the in the world. Hey, Andy, come on, sit down. Uh, that we don't require evidence to you know you can just say you know I've been a Christian forty years. Well, what does the Bible say about X? Well, I don't know. It's like well, uh, okay. Um, a Christian means a disciple. Can you be a disciple? Uh, can you be a let's put it this way? Can you be a Christian without being a disciple? No. Now, I want you to make sure that you understand that because a lot of people will take this text and they'll say that uh, you can be a Christian, but what Jesus is talking about here is like a super Christian. You know, I'm just really saved. I'm not really a disciple. Like, you know, I'm not actually doing the deal. You know what I mean? I'm not like one of those guys who are who are way up there in their religious stuff, their spiritual, whatever. Uh, that is not the understanding Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about being a Christian. He's talking about being saved. He's talking about following Christ. If you are a believer, in Christ, if you're following him, if God has caused you to be born again, like John said in John 3, then you are a follower of Christ. And what happens if I decide, you know, if I'm born again and I decide, hey, God wants me to do this, I don't want to do that. What happens? If you're really born again, again, yes. You'll probably get someone disciplined. Yes, you will get some fatherly discipline. You will get some chastisement. You will get some spanking like any good father would take their child and say, you cannot run off into danger without me correcting you. Uh, God would do that for us, and that's what he does. So let's take it apart just for a second, and we'll get your thoughts on it, and we'll, we'll see what it's speaking to us. Um, he says, if you continue in my word, what does continuing in his word mean, you think? It continue means just, the word means to remain, to abide. He uses the same word. Uh, over and over about abiding in me, abiding in my word, uh, remaining in my word. What do you think it means to continue in his word? I mean, it's not, it's no secret spiritual thing that scholars have, it, I just want to know what you think. To continue in Jesus' word means? Be steadfast. 
Yes, yeah. Grow in His Word. To to continue in in His Word is to uh, is to continue trusting in what He said, in who He is, in what He did for us. To continue living for Him. To continue serving Him, loving Him, being in relationship with Him. To continue walking in the things that He said. I mean, it's it's really simple. It's not anything hidden or secret about it. Just continue in His Word. He says, if you continue in My Word, then are you My disciples? We talked about disciples. Indeed, and you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Now, I know I'm talking kind of fast, I'm sorry, I'm slow down. Is uh is that works righteousness right there? If it says, if you continue in do I have to continue in his word in order to be his disciple? Huh? Okay, be careful now. Do I have to yes, you should want to. Do I have to let's see. I guess that is right. But what I'm saying is, is continuing in His Word the requirement for being His disciple, or is it the evidence of being His disciple? Okay, how do I know that? Okay, but from the text. Huh? It says, it says, look, if you continue, that's something that we're going to do, right? That's something we're going to do in the future. I can I can only tell you what I'm doing right now. But if you continue is pushing it off into the future. It's really called a subjunctive, but you don't need it, it doesn't matter. It's pushing that off in the future. In my life tomorrow, next week, the month after, I'm gonna continue in this word. And if I do that in the future, then it says I are. It's not real good grammar, but I am. It says, if you continue in my word in the future, then that means you are right now a disciple. Does that make sense? So it doesn't say, if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciple. See it? So what it's, what it's doing there is it's not saying that continuing in His Word is the requirement for you to be a disciple. Like we would sit and worry like, am I continuing enough? Am I doing enough what I'm supposed to be? You know, is God looking and I'm continuing like to be my... It's not what He's talking about. He's saying that when you continue in God's Word, when you continue in His Word, when you continue to live for Christ, uh, serve Christ... Am I talking perfection here? Perfect yet? No, anybody? No. Okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about continue to live in His Word, continue to trust in Him as Savior, as Lord, following Him. You know, we're talking about those things. If you continue in those things, that's the evidence that you are a disciple. So, the people came and they believed, the Jews believed on Jesus. Verse 30 says, as He spoke these words, many believed on Him. And the first thing Jesus said to them was, He gave them the evidence of what true belief looks like. He says, if you continue in my word, He says, then you are truly my disciples. That's what indeed means truly. Then you are truly my disciples. So you can't just, He's telling these guys, you can't just run up. It's easy to be, it's easy to be attracted to Jesus at the, at the onset. You probably have seen it a bunch. You know, people will, you know, and I've, I've even experienced it myself, you know, in years years ago, uh, people will run up and say, I, I want this. You know, all y'all seem so happy. And it's, it's, y'all are just, you know, it's, it's so nice here. And the, the music is great. And the preaching is fun. And it, there's lots of love everywhere. And people love each other. It's easy to come to that and be attracted to that and say, oh, I want this Jesus. I want this Jesus. And then when Jesus starts to 
twist that hammer down just a little bit on you say, well, now, now we've got to talk about your sin now. We've got to get, we've got to get away from this and we've got to get away from that. And, we got, and this is the Holy Spirit through the lives of people, through the preaching of the gospel. It tells you, you know, I need to do this, I need to do that. And when, when Jesus starts trying to be Lord of someone's life, then it's, it's, a, it's a whole lot bigger than, well, this Jesus is awesome. He's going to make me happy and it's going to be fun. You see, now he wants to, he wants to rule in my life. And so, uh, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want that. So they, they're gone. You know, you, a lot of y'all probably know people like that. Can y'all think of examples of people that you know that, that it just, you know, even Jesus said, and you know, when he throws the seed out, the seed of the word, he said that some will receive it with joy, but they have no root in them. And when the sun comes up, it just bakes them. Anything y'all, any examples, questions, comments? Like an example would be kind of like you can't build a house with the roof first. You've got to have some sort of foundation. Yeah, that's good. Can't, can't do all the pretty stuff first. You've got to do the, what holds it together first. Okay? Anybody else? No? I must be doing a good job. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Okay. All right, so uh, continue in His Word. Uh, the you know it's 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 not work salvation. We already said that. We don't worry about remaining discipleship, following Christ produces stuff. It produces a lifestyle. He says, now if this is you, if you are a true disciple, what will happen? He says, and you shall know the truth. And this truth shall make you free. How does the truth make you free? If you notice, when we read that, none of this bothered the Pharisees. When they start arguing with him again, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. That didn't really bother them. It's when he said, I'll make you free. That's, bother, that's what bothered them. Because they said, whoa, 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 whoa. We're Abraham's children. We, we don't need to be free. We're free now. You know, that seems like that's the issue. So what do you think he's talking about, make you free? Free from what? The slave, yeah, that's exactly what he's talking about. That's what he, that's what he, how is sin slavery? Just thoughts. I mean, I'm not looking for nothing specific. Just give me what you think. Look can control your actions. Huh? It can control your actions. Sin can and often does control your actions. Kind of like what you were talking about just a minute ago about when people come into church, they're attracted to the love and the joy, but it's the same thing on the other side. You... Um, see things, say for example young kids that see uh, thugs or drug dealers with the money and the cars, that's all they see but then when you uh, come in Christ, you have another choice, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know you, the truth is like, well you start to feel that that's not where you belong I, I don't know how to yeah. put into words what, what I'm saying kind of keeps you locked in it keeps you locked in it does how, tell me how it keeps you locked in. Just example. Well, you become a slave to it. Yeah, you do. You do what it tells you, basically. You follow it around. Now, when we're talking about slaves to sin, how many of you, be honest, something when we're talking about being a slave, something rose up inside of you that said, "Well, that ain't me. I'm not a slave to sin." Nobody, huh? I guess I'm the only one. Nobody had that thought. I'm not a slave to sin. Y'all all lying. Look at y'all in church. Lightning will strike you. Y'all know y'all. Huh? If we know and we understand that, then we wouldn't think that way. 
Yes, that's right. If you did, if you did, but but you you had to push it back down. There's something inside of you that said, well, "I'm not a slave to sin." Now, you, if you know, if you know that you you know what the scripture says, then you say, "Yeah, I know my own heart. I am, I am, and not." In my own strength, I'm a slave to sin. You know, I've been freed by Christ. We got, we got that. So let me clarify that. But what it, what it's taught, huh? Well, it not in, my, in in our own in our own flesh we are, but in the Father's eyes now we're perfect. We covered in the Father. That's right. So what it says here is. It says, you'll know the truth. The truth shall make you free. And then they pipe up and they say, whoa, I'm not a slave. What do you mean they're going to be free? Look at verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, that's getting a little tougher in First of all, I don't understand. There's something about this verse that I just cannot grasp. The one before it, where they said, we've never been in bondage to any man. I'm thinking, they must be talking about spiritual bondage because Israel spent their whole existence in slavery. And they were still under Roman. And they were still under Roman slavery right here when he was talking. So, I mean, it was like from Egypt to... Babylon, Assyria, Persia, Greece, Rome, they were always under slavery. So he must be talking about, they must be either just super blind and, you know, Maybe deluded. Maybe they were so used to having that lifestyle. And it wasn't under bondage to the... Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> and it's... It, it, your guess is as good as mine why they would not... Why they would say I've never been in bondage. Because both ways. It's slaves to sin and slaves to men. They've been bondage for their whole existence. So Jesus tells them, you know, the bondage I'm talking about is not the Egyptians. It's not the Babylonians. It's not the Romans. He said, the one I'm talking about that you're under is sin. You're, you're a slave to sin. You're a servant of sin. He said, Says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, for us, does that mean if I go out and say, I cussed Dana out this afternoon, does that mean I'm a slave to sin? Boy, y'all got quiet. And I would say no. Nah. Okay, why is that? Well, I mean, that would probably, uh, hopefully, be a one-time deal. I mean, that doesn't... Shh, don't say that, Dana. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it doesn't make you sin, but if you do, that's that's correct you see this the word committeth is is i mean i'll spare you the greek lesson but it's in the present it's in the present tense in greek which is a continuous over and over habitual lifestyle practice uh it's someone who who is continually over and over again habitually practicing sin now does that mean that there's no truth to the fact that our hearts are utterly sinful and in a sense slaves to sin so that when we do sin we're not just we're not just out there committing an act we're committing something from our own flesh let's see that's a a better way to explain that is i commit a sin because i'm a sinner inside okay committing a sin doesn't make me a sinner i'm already a sinner does that make sense so track with me just for a second if i let's stick with the cussing day now thing let's say if i do that 
I shouldn't think, well, oh, I just did I just did a sin, so that makes me a sinner now. No. The truth is, you was a sinner before you ever did that, and it's that sin coming out of you that caused that act. Does that make sense? And in that sense, you're a slave to what's inside. Does that make sense to you? Now, we're not saying Christ has freed you from bondage. So that's clear in Romans 6. So we're not saying that I'm walking around slave to sin once I'm in Christ, once I'm saved. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I'm saying is that our hearts are desperately wicked and Christ is molding them. He's changing them every day so that we're growing more and more like Christ every day. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not there yet. And I'm pretty sure y'all ain't there yet. I know some of y'all ain't there yet, but I won't say nothing. Uh, but none of us are there yet, you know, and so there are going to be times where, you know, I do something stupid, where I sin. Yes, go ahead. So in following this line of thinking, I was uh, thinking, so yeah, you sinned, you, you, know, you committed a sin by cussing out Dana, but because you've been saved and born again, doesn't mean that you... Uh, don't have the ability of self-control, which maybe once before you were, you didn't have self-control. No, no, I'm not saying that you don't have control where you're just, you know, a raven lunatic or something. I'm saying that your heart is sinful and without the, without the leading of the Spirit, without the, the work of the Spirit in your life, if you, if you crawl back into that old man, it'll come out just like it did before. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not saying that you're just without... You know, you're just without control. You have a choice. I have a choice whether I'm going to cuss Dana out. So I'm not saying sin just takes over my body and whatever. You know, I'm saying my old man, my flesh, my sinful heart, it, it desires to sin. Does that make sense? And it wars with that spirit that's in me all the time. Day in, day out. The spirit wars against the flesh all the time. And so, it's a constant battle. And when I do, as a believer, because if I'm a true disciple, I will continue in His Word. When I do, when that sin does come out, when it when it happens, the first thing that happens in my mind is what? Conviction. Conviction from the Spirit. Hey, you're an idiot, man. What did you just do? You know, I had to apologize for something this morning to somebody. Not to her, but somebody else. I mean, the first thing that happens is, first thing that happens is, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You know, that's not what Jesus would do. That's not what Jesus would say. You're supposed to be following Him. You know, that's what the Spirit does in your life. So, there's a balance here that I need y'all to see, that I need you to strike. Um... Because there are people on the left side, for instance, who would say, you know, if, if something happened where I sinned, then all of a sudden, oh, I, must be, I must be lost. You know, I, I'm just all the time worried about what, you know, what am I going to... And then, and that's not, that's not correct either because the Spirit's worn against the flesh. And so you have to have room to grow as a Christian. And then there's some people on the other side that say, hey, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. Danny, you, you know, just cuss her out all day long and say, praise God, I got grace, it's all good. See, now we know that ain't right either. Because God said that, you know, shall you continue in sin? He says, no, God forbid. You know, he, he's, that's what he saved us from, is sin. So you need to strike a balance. There's a balance there where you have room to grow as a Christian. You're not perfected yet. You're still, you're still there's still times when the flesh rises up and the spirit has to knock it back down. And you're going to go through times where you grow in 
in your repentance. You're going to grow in faith. You're going to trust Him more. You know, but we also can't be those that say, praise God, it's all good. Let me just sin all I want to and not worry about it. See, that's not, that's not scriptural either. So the both there's a balance between if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and the one who commits sin is a slave to sin. You see that balance? Is there any questions about that? Any comments? Cries of outrage? No? I mean, I could just say from my, my own personal self, I find the sin that I keep within the hardest to overcome. Yeah. Not necessarily the the act. See, I was talking about that with somebody at the hospital the other day. Uh, it was some of them girls, you know. For them, sin is just outward stuff. They would be like Pharisees, you know, like... If I if I don't do it, it's all good. And I was trying to let them know, you know, no, no, it's it's up here too. If you think it, it's sin. You know, if you if you if what goes on in your mind is sin. What goes on in your heart is sin. So you can't. I mean, sin is so prevalent in our lives, even as believers, it's there all the time. Paul said, even though I want to do good, evil is right there with me, and evil is right there, and it's it's always looking for an opportunity, and if we're not led by the Spirit, if we're not following the Spirit, if we're not continuing in His Word, if we're not seeking the power that He has, guess what? It's only going to be a matter of time for you fall right back into where you come from, and then God's going to have to chastise you. If you're His child, He's going to discipline you. He's going to pull you back. The power to live for Christ and in Christ comes from Christ. And when you try to do it yourself, when you try to live it in your own actions, and your own whatever, I'm just going to pull my, my bootstraps up and I'm going to live for Jesus. And this, you're going to fail every time because you and I are fleshly sinful creatures. I mean, that's just what we are. And it's only through God's grace and Christ's atonement, His dying on the cross and being risen that we have the Spirit of God inside of us that can do the things that we can't do. Does that all, that makes sense? Are y'all tracking with me? Okay. When you try on your own, you're going to fail every time. And then you'll start thinking, well, pfft, I can't do this. Well, guess what? You're right. You can't do it. That's the point. And God's trying to show you that only He can do it. Make sense? Any questions? Alright, verse uh, 35 and 36. Uh, no, no. Is that where we're at? Yeah. 35 and 36? Okay, it says... Alright, well, in this, in this section, Jesus is he's going to tell them that you can't free yourself. Basically, what we just talked about. He says... <clears throat> They said, we, how are you going to say we've been made free? He said, whoever commits sin, servant to sin. And then verse 35, he says, and the servant, he's talking about the slave, slave to sin, he abides not in the house forever. He doesn't, he doesn't have the rights to the house. He says, but the son abides forever. He says, the son has rights. And who's the son in this little, this little teaching parable? Jesus is the son. Verse 36, he says, and if the son, therefore, shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. And so what he's saying is, he's, you can't make yourself free by yourself. You can't free yourself. He says, you're a servant in the house. The servant has no rights in the house. You know, if you take it back to slavery in, in that time, you know, you might live in a good house. You might have a great master. You might have whatever. But at any time, you could be sold and gone to another house. At any time, you had no rights. You had no, no nothing in the house. You, you could be gone the next day. You could be gone a year from now. And, you know, it's just tough. That's the way life is. But the son abides forever in the house. He has the rights of the house. He has the right to say what goes on in the house. And if he frees you, 
than your friend ate. What? When you were reading that scripture, I was thinking about the house and the servants. Uh, and he said that the servants uh, don't stay, they don't have the right forever, but the son does. On, on an earthly level, I was thinking, okay, so if you have a house and then servants and, and you're the head of the house, to, you know, and say you, you died in an earthly sense, then the son would take over the authority that the father had previously. So it's not like when the head of the house was no longer existed that the servants took over the house. You lost me. I did. The son, in, in those days, the firstborn son took ownership of the house most times before the father died. Right. So the son had the, the firstborn son had the authority of the house from day one, even when he was, you know what I mean? So not, not that he was over the father from day one, but he had, when, when, when little Joey told you, you know, I'll go get my daddy, you better do what he said. You see what I mean? Does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm just saying that if the master of the house, for whatever reason, was no longer there, the, the, the servants of the household do not get the household. Oh, no. You're absolutely right. They, they have no rights to the house whatsoever. If everybody in the house, the son and the father died, the slaves would never become... No, it'd be the, you know, it'd be the next deal. But Jesus' point in this little deal is you can't free yourself. You're slaves. He said, I'm the son. I can free you. And it says, that's what he said when he said, who the son sets free will be free indeed. What freedom is he talking about? Freedom from the slavery of sin. That means sin is no longer our master. Uh, a parallel passage to this is Romans chapter 6 when it says, You shall no more be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And so now, when sin says, when my flesh, my sin says, Hey, come here, boy, I want you to go do something for me. I have the freedom, the authority, and by the Spirit of God, I have the power to say, Hey, sin, take a hike. Uh, you're not my master. You know, I, I've used this illustration before, but like... I closed an account at, at Regions. What? What's so funny? Don't be laughing. Huh? I cussed, I cussed my sin out. Yeah. Uh, if, if I closed an account at Regions Bank, which I did at one time, and I walked out with this deal saying I owe nothing, they have, you know, I, I say I paid off my debt or whatever, and I walked out, and some guy ran up to me in the parking lot and said, Hey, you still owe $1,000 on that debt. I got the receipt, whatever, you know. Would I be like, oh no, I still owe $1,000 for some guy that ran up to me in the parking lot? No, I, I just talked to the bank. I got the receipt in my hand. I owe nothing. Take a hike, buddy. That's what, that's what our relationship to sin is. I don't owe sin anything. It does, it's not my master anymore. If it tells me I, I want to do this, I want to do that, I can, you know, by the, by the Spirit's power in me, I desire not to do that anymore. Therefore, I can just say whatever. Am I perfect now? Does that mean I'll never fall back into it? No, because there's room to grow in Christ. You're going to grow from now to the day you get 85, 90, 100, however long you live, you're going to be growing in your repentance. You're going to be growing in your faith. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Okay. So we're not talking about perfection, but we're not talking about letting it all hang loose either. See what I mean? You've got a balance. There's a balance in there. Okay. Christ is growing your conscience stronger. 
He is, right. But the one thing I need to make sure you understand, and I was going to just take all y'all back through 1 John, uh, but I, I decided not to do that. It would just take too long. Um, is that what we're talking about here, the lifestyle of, the lifestyle of following Christ is the evidence of God's work inside of you, okay? I'm not saying, hey, you guys, if you don't start living right, you know, you're not going to be Christians anymore. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to live up to a certain standard in order to be a disciple. I'm saying that if you are truly a disciple, God will work in you to produce this. Does that make sense? Now, it may not be at the level you want yet. It may be, you know, but it'll be there. You will have the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It may not be. You're going to have room to grow in those fruits, so it's not perfect. Your patience is not perfect yet. Your kindness is not perfect yet, Valerie. You're, uh... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She and I are a lot alike. So... Oh, I'm sorry. So, but what I'm saying is, don't think, I've got to continue. If I don't continue in this word, he's going to drop me off at the next bus stop. You know, that is so far from scripture. What he says is that he's taken you by grace, by grace through faith you're saved. And the evidence that that grace has taken root in your life is that you have a new, a new desire for living. You have a new walk. You have a new talk. You have a new everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Everybody still with me? Time is it time to go yet? Oh, we got about ten minutes. Okay. Uh, they can't free themselves, and now they're going to come up with. Now we're going to address the arguments. Verse thirty-seven says, uh, Jesus said, "I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you." He said, I speak, that which, I speak that which I have seen of my father, and you do that which you have seen of your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. So what are they basing their hope of eternal life on? Their relationship with God. Yeah, they're descendant from Abraham. And how does that apply to us? I'm sure none of us, well, I mean, we're all descended, sort of, but uh, how does that apply to us? What would we put our trust in as like, for them it'd be, I'm Abraham's child. For us it would be, hey, I'm, I'm raised in a Christian home. I, I'm raised here in Tennessee. I actually had a girl tell me uh, one time, she said, the guy said, are you a Christian? She said, yeah, I'm from Texas. <laughs> it's like like everybody in Texas is Christian. Uh, but she said, you know, um, I'm not a Muslim and I'm not Jewish and I'm not a Buddhist. So I must be a Christian. You know, I'm born in this culture. I'm born in, you know, I'm a Western America. That means I'm a Christian, you know. Basically, they're trying to bribe the coattails of somebody who's done what they're supposed yeah. to do not have to put right and Abraham did what and God counted it to him as righteousness yeah Abraham believed God that was Abraham's claim to fame faith and what Jesus is telling him is like you can say that you're a descendant of Abraham but you're not doing what Abraham did because Abraham had faith in God's word and Jesus says you can't take my word you can't hear my word you can't can't listen to my word huh you can't handle you can't yeah that was that's right Old Jack Nicholson. Okay, so they uh, 
<laughs> They're known by their actions. You're known by, and this is something that I try to get young people to see all the time, your lifestyle tells the story of what's in your heart. Over and over again, you have millions and millions of people that think, you know, as long as I'm just not as bad as Joey, I'm going to make it. You know, as long as, you know, as long as I'm just doing better than so-and-so, I'm going to make it. When the reality is that your heart is desperately wicked. Your heart is desperately wicked. And what you do, what you say, the real you will come out eventually. And it'll come out of that heart. You can mask it for a little while. You can cover it up for a little while. But eventually who you really are will come out. It will be shown. It will come out into fruition. Well, let's stay on the subject, and then we'll do off-subject afterward. Because I only got five more minutes. Okay, sorry. Uh, Verse 38 says... Verse 38 says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. See that your father, my father? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but you seek to kill me. They sought to murder, and Abraham didn't seek to murder. Who was the murderer? He says in the next verse, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus denies even if God is their father. He says, Jesus said unto them, verse 42, He says, if God were your father, what would you do? You'd love me. Now, is that still applicable? Can you love, can you be in relationship with the Father? Think back to the Trinity lesson now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Can you be in relationship with the Father without being in relationship with the Son? No. Can you love the Father? Can the person say, well, I don't know about the whole Jesus thing, but me and God, we got it. We got it worked out. Is that a true statement? No. No. Now, all the people in the world who believe in God who don't follow Jesus, are they truly following God? No, they're following a God they made up in their own mind. It's easy to say, I believe in a God who this, 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 and this. And you're just making up a God in your own mind. The real God has sent His one and only Son to die for the sins of the world. Unless, unless you come through that Son, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping something in your own imagination because God doesn't accept worship outside of His Son. Make sense? Jesus is the coat and keys to heaven. The The what in keys? The coat. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, And so he gives the characteristics, and this is where we'll end. The characteristics of God's children. If If God is your father, you would love me. Okay? Does that mean... Now think about this. Being a Christian, being a disciple, isn't just about following rules. We've talked a lot about how my life is lived and what kind of lifestyle I live. We've talked a lot about that kind of stuff. But if, if, if Jimmy becomes a Christian, the, the last thing I'm going to do is walk up to him and say, Jimmy, okay, here, here's your list of rules you've got to follow. That's not what Christianity is. That's not what relationship with God is. It's a relationship where you, you, love, you have a new heart that loves Christ. And it just, you know, I mean, if you can think back to, you know, uh, I deal with young people all the time, and I say this all the time as well, is that when when a young person falls in, you know, lo- teenage love for the first time or whatever, which usually lasts three or four weeks, uh, you know that, that they just get stupid. You know, I mean, it's like stupidity sets in, and they're like on the phone just... To be on the phone with it, you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. What are you going to talk about? I don't know. 
Y'all act like y'all never heard a conversation like that. I mean, it's just, I just want to be, I want to hear your voice. I want to hang out with you. What are y'all going to do? We're nothing. We're just going to go, you know, sit around, do nothing. Uh, We used to, I mean, are they still driving around Brownsville and that's all they do is just drive around? They don't do that no more? Yes. Okay, so I tell you, huh? Oh, did they? I mean, you used to just drive around and I was, I moved here and like, what do y'all do in Brownsville? You know, I come from Mississippi and, and the cool thing was like to drive in a circle <laughs> from, from what is it, Big Star to, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't get it. It's like, okay, you know, I just never understood. It wasn't so fun about driving in a circle. All right. You know, I just never got it. But the, the thing was, I mean, uh, for friends, for boyfriend, girlfriend, for all, that was the thing. You just hung out. You just hung out together. And so when we talk about loving Christ, we're not talking about, okay, Christ, I'm going to do everything you want me to do. Although that's part of it. It's, it's about, you know, I want, to, I want to make him happy. I want, to make, I want him to be pleased with me. I, I love him for what he's done for me. He did all this for me, and I want, I want to follow him. I want to trust him. It's not about, you know, oh, I've got to follow Jesus. He wants me to go do, you know, it's not about that. It's like, hey, I, I, get, I, get, to, I get to be in relationship with Christ. You see the difference? Y'all with me? Cool? Okay. He says the first characteristic, you would love me. Is it time to go yet? Yeah, I got four more minutes. He says, you would, uh, you would, you would love me. And then uh, verse 43 says, why do you not understand my speech? It's because you cannot hear my word. The second characteristic of those that are in relation with God, that love God, is they hear Christ's word. Jesus said, my sheep follow me. They hear my voice and they follow me and they won't follow a stranger. Uh, so when, when Christ speaks, um, it's as if, let's put it this way, it's as if when that, that word is, you can be a scholar of this book, and not know Christ. You can know everything about it. You can know who Mephibosheth was and how many years Methuselah lived and how many nails is in the ark and all that. You can know all that and still have no idea about the true God, the true Christ, eternal life and all those things. Um, but the reality is when... I'll give you a perfect example. When he says, you hear my word. I studied... Most of y'all know this. I studied scripture for probably three years before I was saved. Um, thinking that my answer was just in learning this book. And the, uh, most of y'all have heard this. The day after I was saved, I used to go, I worked at a body shop, and I would go in my truck, and I'd sit in the parking lot, and I would read, and I'd pray. And I, I mean, this is as a lost guy. I would do this just looking for answers, looking for just something, you know. And, and so I, I was learning all this stuff. I was getting all this whatever. And then, and then the day after I got saved, I was in the same truck, had the same Bible, same lunch hour, same place there, and I was reading. And I remember it was it was the text of Romans 11. I don't even remember where I was in the text. But for the first time in my life, that day after I was saved, I was reading it and it was like God spoke to me for the first time. Like it wasn't just a story in the book and this is what he was telling his friends and this is what Paul was writing to the Romans, whatever. It was like... And it wasn't like, hey, Jason, I want you to come lead my people out of Egypt. It, wasn't, no, no. it was just like, you know, hey, how you doing? I've been here the whole time. It's good to see you, you know. And, man, I just cried like a big old baby. People at Walmart was like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, he's, 
he spoke to him for the first time. And, and that was the difference. The day before, I wasn't his child. I couldn't hear his voice. I could read his words. I could, you know, I could go through this book and I could figure out what it's trying to say and I could do all those things, but I couldn't hear his voice. He wasn't speaking to me. And then the day, the next day, for the first time ever, he spoke. And it, it was just like, you know... Hey, it wasn't like I'm sending you on a mission or anything like that. It was just like, I'm here. You know, you're with me. So anybody else relate to that? Maybe that's just... Okay. We all not saying that. Huh? Yeah. The case for... all. Yeah. He's got a case for everything now, don't he? Case for Easter and, and all those deals. I've read those. All right. Let's uh, finish up Satan's children, verse 44. You are of your father the devil. And what do they do? The lusts of your father you will do. And these are the lusts. He's a murderer from the beginning. He brought death into the world when he tempted Adam and Eve. And he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. What was his first lie? First lie? Yeah. Did God really say, you won't die if you eat that? And so he speaks a lie. So, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So what Jesus has, has basically done is from the beginning, he, these guys came up and said, hey, we believe. Hey, hey guys. How y'all doing? <laughs> they late. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pam. Did you work all night? Man, I'm sorry. Now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. Alright, so first thing they said, they came and they believed. They believed. And Jesus said, well, that's good. He said, but if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. And then by the end of this section, did they really believe? No, they really didn't. They, they didn't, they wanted the Jesus that's going to you know, give me happiness and joy and make all our lives better, but they didn't want the Jesus that's going to rule and reign over them. And that's the same thing that we do today. Y'all with me? Any questions, comments? Nothing? All right. I will send out the next outline, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I, I'll get y'all's information if you want me to send you a copy. Uh, a lot of the rest of this chapter, I'm not sure if I'm going to do, if we're going to do the rest of this chapter or go on to chapter 9, because a lot of the rest of this chapter is going to be re rehashing what we've already talked about so far. So uh, I'll just let you know. All right. So let's pray and then we'll go. Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh,